we all know brothers and sisters the the quran just is just amazing it's just amazing wallahi for those who are sincere with this book allah will open for them ajaib allah will open for them subhanallah uh, meanings and lessons yani it will settle your heart to, to an extent that no doubt will ever enter it allahu akbar wallahi this book is amazing and it's so amazing you know every time we begin a speech and rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam would always begin a speech and say may yahdihillahu fala mudilla lah wa may yudlil fala hadiya lah when rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to say whoever allah decrees guidance upon none can misguide and whoever allah decrees guidance upon none can can guide you know you remember this when you think of those non-muslims who studied the arabic so well and they studied the quran so well only to try and disprove this book being uh, the, the final testament right and they they reading the same ayat that you and i reading but allah doesn't bless the heart because they chose not to be blessed by having uh, an insincere intention may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us Right, so this shows you that guidance is in the hands of Allah. There are people who have studied this book amazingly. In fact, you know some of the uh, some of the, the the works that grow our iman with regards to the book of Allah are done by some of the Orientalists. Some some of the Orientalists have stepped up, and they've you know they've written about. Uh, today it's a common phenomenon, and I'm sure you've seen it in, in modern day tafsir or, or those who speak about tafsir uh, in, 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 in contemporary times, the ring structures of surahs. And this wasn't a concept discussed by the classical scholars to a great extent. Uh, yes, uh, there's some amazing books of tafsir that do mention some fawait. But to have a dedicated study towards what is quote-unquote called today the ring structure of surahs, where you know you look at the beginning of the surah and the end of the surah, and you say, look how uh, how the beginning is related to the end, even though the messages are different, or how this surah is related to the surah before it and related to the surah after it, or the end of one surah is related to the beginning of one surah, or like for example in Ayatul Kursi, if you if you count back the ayat and you count front the ayat, you will see the last ayah has correlation to the first. These ring structures that subhanallah have come about, you've seen that some of these books have been written by non-Muslims. Right? And obviously they were writing it not to grow people's iman. Right? But there were some, some wrote it to, um, as, a, as a scholarly works related to the Arabic language. Uh, some wrote, wrote it uh, to help uh, other Orientalists in their study of the Qur'an. Right? So some haven't been written by Muslims, subhanAllah. And even this didn't benefit them. But you and I picked up the book and we read it and we said, La ilaha illallah. La ilaha illallah. Right? Allah uses who He wants to grow our understanding of His book. Allah uses who He wants, subhanahu wa ta'ala, to grow our iman uh, using His book. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. Amin. So, uh, this is pertaining to uh, the first uh, revelation. And the correct um, opinion is that Iqra' bismi rabbika alladhi khalaq was the first revelation that came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now, in terms of the da'wah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, it happened in stages as well. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, first gave him prophethood and then made him a messenger, as we've discussed. And then when Allah made him a messenger, Allah first commanded him to take the da'wah to his closest ones. وَأَنذِرْ عَشِيرَتَكَ الْأَقْرَبِينَ The closest people, Khadija radiallahu anha, the closest people around him. Uh, and his closest friends, he went to Abu Bakr, he went to Ali, radiallahu anhum ajma'i. So, uh, it happened in stages. It wasn't just, you know, an announcement on the mountain from the outset. 
right? Uh, first, um, it happened in stages. So uh, even when when he became a messenger, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, he was told to propagate the message to the close ones. Charity begins at home, uh, as we say. And then after that, he was told to command his people towards La ilaha illallah. And we know the famous story that he stood up on a high place uh, that uh, overlooked the people and it was a common place for people to make announcements and he made his famous speech sallallahu alayhi wasallam in which uh, immediately immediately he started gaining enemies right so so the man sallallahu alayhi wasallam who was one known as the truthful one the, the 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 nice one the honest one the wise one Right, uh, the one of noble lineage, uh, within a few words became the cursed one. Right, we know uh, Abu Lahab. He he cursed Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam immediately after he called uh, the people to worship only one Allah. One Allah. So it's amazing, Subhanallah. You know uh, how people can be hooked onto misguidance. You know, some people say today that Subhanallah. Some people do things that are absolutely not perceivable. The mind knows this doesn't make sense. It's common sense, subhanAllah, but how can they not understand? Right? And the answer to that is, brothers and sisters, that look at Abu Lahab and look at the, the Quraysh. Right? They were worshipping stones that they were making. And it's not that it was, you know, some people practice misguidance as a side thing. No, this was the crux of their existence. Right? They were hooked onto this misguidance. Right? Common sense wasn't so common. It happens. This is, you know, if we cannot learn from history about, about people and the traits of people, then, you know, where are we going to learn from? Today we're too shallow. We never read the, the plight of the people of the past and we never ponder. And as I told you earlier, you know, as one of my mashayikh told me that today we are people who don't read. And when we read, we don't understand. And when we understand, we don't ponder and think. And when we ponder and think, we fail to apply, right? So there's this knock-on effect, right? A lot of the time we listen to a lecture, but we, we don't think it's a blank mind listening to the lecture. We might take notes, but those notes will never be read. I hope this doesn't happen with this class, right? Um, and, and as you know, we, we're trying to really help you all with the notes. But I hope it doesn't happen that we get back in September and then um, I ask a question that who looked at their notes you know, after all these months and, and nobody writes back to me or, or, or uh, speaks back to me. Because we're too ashamed that we didn't. That's not the way of seeking knowledge. So today we are that, that, that people, right? We, 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 we've become, um, you know, unfortunately similar to uh, the way of those that doom and gloom came to. They just never used the brain that Allah gave them. So we, 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 we listen to a lecture, it's a blind listening. We're there for whatever reason Allah knows best. Then, uh, if we take notes, we never look at those notes. And we never ponder over those notes. Right? And obviously, if, the, if no one is pondering, then action is, is, is very little. Now, I'm not being stereo-minded here, as I always say. We must never ever be stereo-minded. Because al-dhulm dhulumat yawm al-qiyamah. Right? Or, oppression is, a, is, 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 is from the darknesses of the day of qiyamah. I'm not saying that we all like that, but I'm saying no doubt uh, the trend is a large portion are like that. There's a lot of people who are watching a lot. And uh, as, as you heard me sp- uh, sp- um, speak in the speech in, in Qatar, when I spoke about uh, the celebrity fan culture in the da'wah and, and, and that we should beware uh, of it, um, I said this, that today we, we live in, in, in an age where Islamic knowledge, subhanAllah, exists in quantities never seen before. And is accessible in ways never ever before. Our parents can be forgiven. 
But uh, we really don't have many excuses, right? Knowledge which we don't even want to us comes to us. Our phones beep with reminders. We don't even want our phones to beep with reminders and the reminders come. When I say we don't want to, mean, I mean we're not looking for it. Yes, we appreciate it when it comes, but we're not even looking for it and the phone beeps and we open up our WhatsApp or whatever it is and we see, subhanAllah, he has a fa'idah. So Allah is bringing knowledge to us in, in ways like never ever before. You know, min hayth la nahtasib. In ways we cannot even imagine. But subhanAllah, subhanAllah, subhanAllah. Right, where is the improvement? Surely, uh, when knowledge exists at this rate and quantity, the improvement or, or the status of the ummah has to be uh, a status never witnessed before. In, in, in terms of recent centuries, no doubt we'll never match the first centuries of Islam. But in, in, in the sense of, of, of recent times. By Allah, I was even pondering, you know, uh, most of the Islamic books that you and I have access to, alhamd, even for those who speak Arabic, these books were manuscripts, were manuscripts, subhanAllah, if you go back a, a hundred years or even less. They weren't published books. Right? Really, if, if, if you try and, and, and do a cursory study of the amount of books published in the last hundred years, meaning taken out from the manuscript format, manuscript format meaning... Uh, a format that well, number one is hard to read, number two is well protected in different museums and libraries given the nature of the paper and the ink and so on and so forth. Number three that the large majority didn't have access to. Besides a handful of people, perhaps you would count them on, your, on, on, on the fingers of your hand. If you look at the, at the books produced in the last hundred years, subhanAllah, you can say this is like a golden year of ilm because it, you know, studying Islam became easy because of the publication of these books. Walillahi alhamd. Right? So, um, you know, subhanAllah, we live in a golden age, in, in, relatively. Right? But where is the benefit? Where is the benefit? Where are we seeing the walking, talking Qur'ans? The walking, talking uh, narrations of the Prophet wasallam. We know a lot of narrations in our head. But subhanAllah, it's not crossing our collarbones. It's not entering the heart. And when it doesn't enter the heart, it doesn't become part of the limbs. Right? Because the heart is the control center of the limbs. So po- just ponder over this, my dear brothers um, and, 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 and sisters. So um, Rasulullah wasallam then brought this knowledge to his people and, and, and immediately he became the cursed one, he became uh, an enemy given how people uh, allow their minds to become shackled uh, and chained to misguidance. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from that. Wallahi, uh, this should be a, a, a message to each and every one of us that you know what, even though we, we know our ideals and we believe in them, we shouldn't be closed-minded when sincere people advise us. We shouldn't be closed-minded. We shouldn't be those people, right? Uh, we should be people who are open-minded. Like Imam Shafi used to say, I debate my, my opponent knowing that I'm right, but uh, being open to listening to him if he pr- proves the truth. Right? This should be our way. Right? Because Allah could send us guidance and we don't want to be in a, sta- in a stage and, 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 and condition where we're too proud and arrogant. And indeed Allah doesn't love the arrogant. Right, so learn from this lesson because the Quraysh learned the hard way. Right, uh, the da'wah had to go on for twenty-three years before Makkah came uh, into the the hands of the Muslims, and and the Quraysh entered Islam. 
right? Um, and then again, many died upon disbelief, even after hearing Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And if you look at the speed of Abu Lahab, in how he cursed Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, when this da'wah came to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, you can see that they just lack the ability to use their brains. Right? No, he never pondered over the message. Even though Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam was strategic in how he presented the message. Right? Some of the books of Sira cite this, uh, that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam rhetorically approached them and said, if I told you that behind me, behind this mountain is an army and a well-prepared army ready to attack, will you believe me? They said, yes, we've known you never ever to speak a lie. Right? Look, subhanallah. They never, they never pondered over this when he then came with the follow-up and said, thus now, based on this, I'm telling you to worship only one Allah, not worship these idols. Immediately without thought, we see Abu Lahab cursing Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So, you know, um, being too quick to answer brothers and sisters is not a sign of, of intelligence. It's, it's quite frankly a sign of uh, stupidity. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, protect us. And, and forgive the term. But this is the reality. And don't forget, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us one tongue and two ears. So that our listening is twofold. is two to one with relation to, to the tongue. And in front of the tongue, Allah placed our teeth. And in front of the teeth, Allah placed our lips. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala places two gates before our tongue. Right? Gives you one tongue, or gives us one tongue, and then puts two gates in front of that tongue. Subhanallah. Two gates. And with our ears, Allah gives us uh, two ears with no gates in front of our ears. But subhanallah, today we're more than willing to block our ears. For, you know, we willing to put gates on our ears and we willing to release our tongue. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. Look at the people of Nuh. Allah tells us about them that they would جعلوا أصابعهم في آذانهم Right? That they would, they would block their ears. They would block their ears and let their tongues run loose uh, cursing Nuh alayhi salam and mocking him and mocking his people and disobeying Allah and even challenging Allah. Allahul musta'an. Allah, this, there's no place for takabbur and arrogance in our life brothers and sisters. Wallahi, know this, know this. You know, if, if anyone could, 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 could see into the grave and see what happens to a person after they put in the grave, Wallahi, they will realize. Wallahi, they will realize that the son of Adam has no leg to stand on when it comes to being arrogant. Wallahi, it's true. It's true. If we could see what happens to us after we die, Allahul Musta'an. What leg do we have to stand on brothers and sisters to be arrogant? And the worst arrogance is being arrogant in front of the truth. May Allah protect us. Ameen. Ya Rabbil Alameen. And I'm going to just say one thing here, brothers and sisters. And this is a follow-up to the question that we answered at the end of our last session when I, when I spoke about you know, in-laws and wives and so on and so forth. And um, we spoke about certain norms, certain norms that uh, chain us. They chain us, right? We, we, we practice these norms even though they don't make sense. I know many are thinking here that, oh, Alhamdulillah, we're not like the Quraysh. But brothers and sisters, we have this today. Where people follow norms, subhanallah, if they only use their brain in front of this norm, they realize that this norm doesn't make sense. It's common sense that it's wrong. You know, over and above the fact that religion came, revelation came to say that it's wrong. And subhanallah, we find people, even though there's revelation, even though their minds, if they used it, will prove that practice being wrong, we find them practicing it. 
So don't um, feel safe, brothers and sisters, in terms of this discussion and, 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 and safe from... Um, what's being said? No, uh, rather take this note and after the class ponder over it. Ask yourself that Subhanallah, am I this person with a certain practices in my life? I'm just overseeing it. I'm thinking it's 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 normal, but it's really abnormal, and and I've become blinded to how abnormal this is. Right? Take this on, brothers and sisters. Sit down and have a one-to-one with yourself and ponder over this. So then after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, commanded him to give this da'wah to his people, uh, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, opened a new stage in the da'wah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and that was to give this da'wah to all the Arabs, not just the Quraysh, but all the Arabs, right? So... Uh, you find uh, the message going to Medina, going to uh, Ta'if, going to all the other places, right? Um, the da'wah then was now uh, spread out and it, 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 it sort of surpassed the sphere of the Quraysh. And then towards the end of the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the uh, final portion of, of, of the stages of da'wah uh, opened and that was um, the da'wah being opened to everyone who lived on the face of this earth, whether they were Arab and, uh, and or oh, sorry, Arab or non-Arab, right? Because we know at the end Rasulullah sent letters to different kings uh, and Ibn al-Qayyim rahmatullahi alayhi actually discusses these letters. We won't go through them, but in his original book, uh, as he runs through the, the life of Rasulullah he discusses the different letters that went to different kings and what those letters actually said. So this is a lesson, brothers and sisters, for you all, especially those who run da'wah organizations. Right? Have a strategy. You don't have to reach everybody at once. And you don't have to do all of everything at once. Strategize. Right? Um, you know, it, it, it's not that you are running at a low efficiency if your da'wah is only to your close ones. No. You might just be running at 100% efficiency. Given the stage of your organization and the maturity of it, for example. Right? Uh, some people think that, you know, at the beginning, if we do things for everybody, then th- these are great metrics. And I see it the other way. I see people who want to do too many things at once before their time as, um, as people who lack achievement. They're not achieving, they're lacking achievement, right? Because um, there's different ways of looking at the metrics, right? Um, and... Um, some people feel that, you know what, we, we, we gauge achievement by doing so many things at one time. And, and I normally say, no, doing one thing properly, the way it should be done, at a particular moment in time is more efficient. Is more efficient. This is the best way of working out metrics. You know, it's like us saying, for example, um, a person who only has two dollars, if he gives one dollar in charity, he is better, he is better than the millionaire who gave uh, $10,000 uh, or even $100,000 in charity. Why? Why? From one angle, he's better. Because the person who had two dollars gave 50% in charity. And the person who had a million only gave 10% in charity. Right? And Allah is all just. Allah is all just that it's Allah who gave this man two dollars and gave this other man a million dollars. Right? Normally we'd say, oh, well, the person who gave a hundred thousand is better than the guy who gave one. But I'm saying that's not necessarily so. That's not necessarily so. If you, if you flip the coin, you will see that the person who gave one actually gave 50% of his wealth in charity. So in reality, he gave more because his need to the dollar that he gave was greater to the other man's need to the hundred thousand that was given. 
Does that make sense, brothers and sisters? Right? So, um, ponder over these things, brothers and sisters. Just ponder uh, over these things that, you know, Rasulullah wasallam could have been given instruction to take this da'wah to everybody. But no, Allah made the da'wah last 23 years. Right? And, and, and uh, the da'wah being sent to everybody purposely was done towards the end. Yes, it went to Najashi, but that, that had a specific purpose because the Muslims were being persecuted. Right? And even then, even then the Muslims just went to Habasha. They didn't give da'wah to Najashi. Right? The, Najashi called the Muslims in front of him when the Quraysh sent their contingent to spread propaganda about these Muslims in Abyssinia, in uh, this particular region. And Najashi gave these Muslims uh, their chance to speak. And this is where he came to find out about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Right? So even if we talk about Najashi, it wasn't da'wah going to Najashi. No, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sent his people to go and uh, live there because he was a just king. Right? So remember brothers and sisters to always ponder regarding the metrics pertaining to efficiency. Not everything that you think is efficiency is actually uh, efficiency. You know, uh, I always tell our uh, Zad al-Ma'ad team uh, that one full cup is better than three half cups. And I learned this from my father. Hafizahullah, may Allah preserve him. Right? Having one full cup is better than having three half cups. Because, yes, three half cups equals one and a half cups of water. But they three incomplete cups. One full cup is, is less in quantity than three half cups. But it's a full cup. It's complete. You know, you can speak about it. You can pat yourself on the back about it. It's something done. You can put it away. And now you can move on to something else and focus on it. And complete it. But when you, when you shift your focus span across three things at once, then not everybody is able to maintain that quality. Not everybody is able to maintain that quality. And as uh, a wise man once said, that a candle illuminates. A candle illuminates. Right? It, 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 it illuminates. It lights up an entire space. But focused light is a laser. Focused light becomes a laser. And a laser can cut through steel. A laser can cut through steel. Ponder over these words, brothers and sisters, as we go for our break. Uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us the understanding. Hada wallahu a'lam wa sallallahu wa sallam wa baraka ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een.